The National Football League is one of the most powerful brands in the United States. As an organization that carries influence in every arena from media to politics, the NFL generates yearly revenues that significantly eclipse those of other leagues nationwide. In a sport where an injury to a single player or the hiring of an assistant coach can affect the psyche of millions of fans across America, the insiders who are the first to break such news stand atop a pedestal of great significance. After all, to his millions of followers online, NFL insider Ian Rappaport certainly captivates an attention that few journalists share. My name is Fez Zuffer, and this is Profiles in Excellence, a podcast brought to you by the Harvard College Podcast Network. Every episode, we feature successful individuals from politics, entertainment, sports, and more. From the journey of an Olympic gold medalist to the rise of one of America's most prominent economists, each episode will offer a glimpse at the world through the stories and perspectives of its most inspiring figures. For the next 20 minutes, Join us. In the spring of 2021, reports began to surface that legendary wide receiver Julio Jones, by all accounts one of the greatest players at his position in NFL history, was seeking a trade from the Atlanta Falcons. Throughout the month of May, beat reporters and fans alike highlighted any clues suggesting that their favorite teams would soon sign Jones. As a fan of the New England Patriots, I must admit that I fell into this trap and recall excitedly texting one of my friends a link to a tweet I'd found, suggesting that Julio was coming to Foxborough. Rumors soon abounded that the star player would be traded to the Tennessee Titans. On the morning of June 6th, a single tweet by one of the league's most credible reporters underscored this reality. The post came from NFL insider Ian Rappaport, who announced that Julio Jones would be traded to Tennessee in exchange for at least a second-round NFL draft pick. Through just 227 characters, the information shared by Mr. Rappaport's tweet catalyzed articles, reactions, and commentary throughout the league, dominating the NFL's news pipelines and striking fear in the hearts of every NFL team outside the state of Tennessee. For any of us, the many thousands of shares and likes generated by a single tweet would be overwhelming. For Mr. Rappaport, however, this level of engagement is all too familiar. As an NFL insider for the NFL Network, Ian Rappaport's core focus is to be the first to break big news within the league. It's a unique job that few people share, and that few others truly understand. When I connected with Ian last summer, I asked him to explain his position for those who may be unfamiliar. Please note that our conversation has been edited for the purpose of concision. So uh, basically my job is I am our chief newsbreaker at NFL Network and NFL.com. So you know, what that means is we have, we have a news operation which features, you know, 15 reporters and writers, maybe 20 editors, a news desk, all that stuff. And we cover all of the major stories and minor stories of the NFL. And I'm the person charged with basically breaking news. Now, there's a lot of other people that break news at the network, but that is my chief job. So, you know, what I try to do and what people like me try to do is get inside the NFL, kind of tell people the stories that they don't know, tell them the first, tell them before it happens, tell them what's going to happen. Just kind of keep the viewer and keep the reader 
informed in a way that they were otherwise not informed by just watching the games. So it is intense. It is pretty hardcore. Uh, it is high stress and high reward. Uh, I love it. And uh, basically, like, every second of my day is spent trying to find news and trying to see what's breaking, trying to get it before my, uh, my competitor. Ian Rapoport's life is focused on the NFL today, but as a student at Columbia University, he had planned to one day attend law school. I always kind of wanted to write. So uh, I joined the newspaper, the Columbia Daily Spectator, and I started writing. And what I found is I liked all of it. Right. Like I liked telling stories. I liked meeting people. I liked people knowing who I was around campus, seeing my face in the paper. Um, I liked, you know, telling athletes stories. It wasn't, you know, and, and what I I never wanted to sort of like be friends. I mean, I was friends with a lot of athletes, but it's not like I wanted to be friends with the people I was covering. It was really just to tell the stories. And I'm like, OK, like I can do this as a job. So, you know, I tried. Uh, tried to get an internship, ended up getting one at ESPN Classic. Uh, so I lived in Bristol for a summer, interned at Classic, uh, learned a lot, realized I didn't want to be in TV production. And, you know, when I graduated Columbia, before I graduated Columbia, I applied to 311 newspapers, sent out resumes and clips, clips packets, you know, cover letter, the whole deal. Um, it was exhaustive. I got two uh, positive responses, two job interviews, one which I did not get in Hobbs, New Mexico for the Hobbs News Sun, and the other which I did get, which was a part-time job at the Journal News, which was my local paper. So I got paid $12 an hour, uh, which was awesome. I lived with my parents for two years, which was not awesome. And uh, I basically was like, all right, I need to see over the next two years, if I could do this job for a living. And if I get a full-time job, if I can advance enough to where I can do this as my livelihood, then I'll be okay. If not, I'll probably have to go to law school. And basically two years to the week, I started the drill news. I accepted a job covering Mississippi State for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. I was moving to Starkville, which is a college town. Um, and I was kind of off and running from there. In 2006, two years after joining the Jackson Clarion Ledger, Ian became a beat reporter at the Birmingham News for athletics at the University of Alabama. The job offered a preview of the intensity of sports journalism, as the energy and attention devoted by fans of the Crimson Tide elevated Ian's recognition. Ian would later join the Boston Herald in 2009 as a beat reporter for the New England Patriots, a role he would hold for three seasons before being hired by the NFL Network to serve as a regional reporter based in Dallas. He would soon be promoted to the position of NFL insider. You know, in a, in a sport where breaking news could really come at any time of day, uh, what does the typical day look like for you? Uh, you know, first of all, one thing about doing what I do is there's really nothing typical, but, you know, because you could have a nice day planned. You have, and my wife knows this very well. I have two small boys. Like, I could have plans, and if news breaks, like real, real legit news breaks, like those plans are off, you know? So for me, like I wake up around say 6.30 or 7, check the phone, see if anything came in overnight, um, you know, have breakfast, kind of check in some more, 
And then once, you know, I get the boys to school, it's basically just kind of going through and checking on stories. And I have sort of a list in my head. I kind of know what's going on. There's storylines to check on some every day, you know, whether it's like the Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson or for a while it was Julio Jones, you know, it was basically like, these are the things you check on every day or during the season. It's, you know, it's an injury. A guy has an injury. Then he's going to get an MRI. Then he's going to get a second opinion. And how long is he out? And who's replacing him? You know, there's a story arc to each of those things. But there's probably in a given week, you know, 75 things that matter. And I basically spend my day checking on all of them. And then sometimes you get just random tips that will alter everything. You know, like before the draft last year, I made a call to a source I know and like. And he says to me at the end of the call, he goes, hey, you're on this Gronk thing, right? I was like, what do you mean? He goes, the Gronk thing, you're on this? Like, I don't know what you mean. He goes, you should make some phone calls. And I found out that Rob Gronkowski was coming out of retirement and getting traded to the Bucks, And it was basically like a regular day, random phone call, six-minute turnaround from that tip to when I was actually able to report it. Um, but that really, those kind of things really change your day, you know? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, the world of an NFL insider really seems to be driven by the credibility of sources. And I know obviously you can't name specific people, but you know, typically what kinds of people in the NFL are the sources that you're turning to? Are they usually players, coaches, agents? Um, I would say one of the most interesting things that I've learned, you know, it's sort of like, if you, it's sort of like the creed where like, you know, you should treat everyone well because you never sort of know, sort of message and stuff. But you never kind of know what anyone is or what they're going to be, right? So you can tell a lot about people by how they treat like equipment staff, doormen, you know, lowly, uh, lowly workers who work for athletic departments or teams, cafeteria workers. You can tell a lot about people by how they treat kind of random everyday people. Uh, I feel like the same with reporters. Like one of the things I've learned is you literally have no idea who could be a source, who could help you, how you could help them. So you sort of treat everyone you meet as every relationship as a possible source. And, you know, I remember sitting next to um, this young agent, really young, probably 24 on a plane for you know, two hours leaving the combine one year, he had two clients. And uh, now he's one of the most powerful agents in the business. And that was eight years ago. We just happened to strike up a conversation, treated each other well, and I've risen to where I am and he's risen where he is. And, you know, because of a random casual conversation. So it could be anyone is sort of the, the short answer to my long answer. Uh, but I would say, it's, you know, head coaches, coordinators, position coaches, a lot of agents, some players, a lot of GMs, some support staff, some trainers, some doctors, some marketing people, some family members. It's literally anyone you could imagine based on a given story. You know, from your perspective, what do you think are the most memorable stories or events that you've broken during your career? Um, I think, you know, to me, the most important one was probably my biggest, which was 
I started NFL Network. I've been there about nine months, and they wanted to make me our insider. But I was like kind of a field reporter, and they were like, you know, on Black Monday, which we don't call it that anymore, but at the time we did, um, the, the time at the end of the year when coaches get fired, you know, we haven't broken one in about three years. We'd like you to break one. We'd like you to break firing. So you're going to come to L.A., you're going to do the day after the season from our studio in L.A., and we're going to try to see if you can break one. And so I did. Uh, I broke Lovey Smith getting fired by the Bears, which, you know, it sounds weird to, to talk about what a great moment it was for me, but it was such a bad moment for Lovey Smith. Um, but it really was because that really told me and my editors that I could compete at this level, and that was kind of the jumping off point. So I think that was one for me. Um, you know, there's some – I think there's been some good ones. You know, the, the Julio Jones traded earlier this summer was, was a good one. Gronkowski getting traded uh, to the Bucks was a good one. Uh, you know, there's – I probably remember the losses more than the wins, um, but there's always a couple of nice ones that come to my head when I really think about it. You know, have there ever been any instances where information you were given turned out to be incorrect? And if so, you know, how do you kind of handle that going forward? Yeah. Uh, I had a very high-profile one, as a matter of fact. I guess it was three off-seasons ago. I was tracking Antonio Brown where he was going to get traded. You know, he was on the Steelers. He wanted out. They wanted to trade him. And it was, a, you know, that was the biggest story at the time. And I get a tip from a rock-solid source. The deal's almost done to the Bills. And, you know, I bet it out. Um, I don't have the trade done, but I know the terms. I know it's going to get done. Only thing that has to happen is he needs to agree to a new contract. But instead of waiting for him to agree to a new contract, I reported what I knew, which was Antonio Brown was close to a deal with the Bills. And it was, you know, major breaking news. And then it was radio silence for four hours. Nobody said anything. And at about 3.30 a.m., Fox broke down for a new deal for Antonio Brown and everyone came out and said, there's no deal and it's wrong. And so of course I got vilified for being wrong and it was awful. It was one of the worst things I've ever been to. It really forced me to kind of change the way I reported to take a deep breath, to make sure everyone involved if possible is on board with reporting, make sure something is done rather than almost done. Um, but I was on TV the next day. I was explaining it. I was telling people what happened. I did a long interview with Deadspin. I did whatever radio interviews asked me, you know, whatever radio stations asked me to interview, I did them. I did everything. Um, I was very transparent, uh, and it was terrible, but you know, if players fumble, if they, you know, throw an interception, they should be accountable and so should we. So I went through probably the worst day of my career, um, learned a lot from it, um, and the information was right at the time, and nobody cared. Um, but I think I became a better reporter because of that. Among the NFL insiders that represent various television networks, it is my opinion that there are two names that enjoy the most notability among football fans, the NFL Network's Ian Rappaport and ESPN's Adam Schefter. Mr. Rappaport and his lead competitor are joined by very few others at the insider position, creating a competitive landscape that is small, but where the stakes are large. 
as each insider scrambles to be the first to break important news. You know, what's it like having a job that not many others share? Um, I love my job, so however many people share it, I would still really like it. Like, I like chasing news and winning and, you know, all that stuff. Um, but as, as it relates to what you're saying, um, it's weird. And, like, you know, me and Adam Schefter are very cordial. Um, we have a totally fine relationship. We're not best friends, but we are completely fine and professional. But there are some things that only he and I know and can relate to. And I have two great colleagues, Mike Garofolo and Tom Palacero, at NFL Network, who do what I do and also do some other things. You know, I could talk to them, but, like, other than that, there's just not a lot of people that I could talk to that kind of understand my life, besides maybe my wife and my parents and my boys. So it is kind of an interesting island. Um, I really love it, though. Uh, so I would say it's all good. Before my time with Ian concluded, I had to ask one final, critical question. I know you were on the Patriots beat for the Boston Herald for a few seasons. Uh, you know, I'm a massive Patriots yep. fan, and I'd love to hear your prediction. Uh, what do you think the Patriots record is going to be this upcoming season? you think we have uh, playoff chances? Uh, I do. Last year, the Patriots were bad. Cam played bad. The quarterback position played bad. It was probably as bad a Patriots season as I can imagine. And they still won seven games. And they still were competitive 100% of the time. And they still were, like, right in the mix. So, to me, this is a good Patriots team. Like, really. Like, if you look position to position, like, they're good. So, you know, I would say, you know, they're this looks to me like a 9-7 or better team. And if they get pretty good quarterback play, then they could be really, really good. At the time of this recording, the Patriots are 9-6 and six and are likely to make the NFL playoffs, an example of the credibility demonstrated by one of the league's greatest insiders. After all, the next time you hear of a multi-million dollar signing in the NFL, you can rest assured that Ian Rappaport will stand at the forefront of insiders, ready to break the news.